Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Deb. And I'm Hugh David, your other co-host and co-producer. On today's show, we're going to be looking at the minute, minute seven, uh, from six through to six minute 59, as I've just had pointed out to me correctly. <laughs> Joining us on today's show, we have Billy Holku, self-professed generic nerd. Welcome, sir. Oh, uh, and so we are going to carry on delving into 1997's wonderful action slash black comedy slash drama slash anything else we could throw in there. <laughs> it's such a rom com. Rom com. I missed that rom com. It's a rom com. Oh, criminal. criminal. After yesterday's conversation, how could you? Yes, be? I know. Shocking. So, this minute takes us from the very end of the conversation with Grocer, uh, alluding to the Pacific Northwest. Hmm through a possible hit on a Greenpeace boat that um, Martin Blank is unwilling to do because apparently he has scruples. <laughs> well, we can talk about that in a minute, but you need to tell everyone exactly the, correct the mistake I made in the, in the last episode because I, did, I called it the Midwest and it's the Pacific Northwest. So that's me getting it wrong. Yes. So, so this is one of those things that I picked up after rewatching this film several times and, and, really emphasizes why i love this this whole dialogue between these two characters so much um you know right at the end of the conversation with grocer kind of all switches around and seemingly out of nowhere grocer's like uh how do you like the pacific northwest all the mist and that up there martin blank says haven't been there in years and grocer comes back with this dog bark followed by like going boom right um and that whole sequence is fully explained in like an hour's time in the film when they're in the diner. But until that point, you have absolutely no idea what it is that they're talking about. Right. And in this scene, Grocer is basically saying, I'm watching you. I know what you are doing. I know your business, right? I found you here. And what's more is I knew what your last hit was as well which we don't even know because that's prior to the film it is when um blank went up to the pacific northwest mm. and we find this out through the, the cafe dialogue mm. okay there we go yeah i mean my problem is i was too obsessed with the foreshadowing of where he's going not where he's been yeah good point good point but it does still reinforce the idea that grocer is keeping tabs on it yes very much so and and also feels like he needs to flex that yeah he quotes an interesting guy when he flexes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, he's not, when you, when, you know, traditionally he's not the, he didn't play the guy who flexes. But actually, you go back and you look at like Blues Brothers and you look at certain points in Ghostbusters where he reminds Mr. You know, Joe Ordinary, i.e. Venkman, you know, that certain things actually, if you remember your science, should go certain ways. Yeah, and then even in sneakers, when he, when he, again, he's supposed to be the, the nerdier one in the team and, and obsessed with conspiracy theories, but it's exactly those conspiracy theories that make him get angry about stuff and tell other people that you should be doing this or that. It's kind of interesting, but a very interesting yeah. kind of flex that he has going for him. Yes, very much so. Mm. You mentioned last time the fax machine in the car and the fact that it's printing in color. And 
I'll be honest with you, I was a little skeptical at that when you mentioned it last minute, and I thought I'd hold off until I saw it. You're absolutely right. That thing's printing in color. That's insane. <laughs> Who has a color fax machine in a car? Like, even then. What's I just reception? thought it was like a basic bare bones, like black and white telefax, <laughs> like he has in the hotel room, because that printout of uh, Felix La Poubelle he has is like really grainy black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be like some weird 8 bit dot matrix kind of, yeah. you know, reception. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm pretty sure it is. It looks like one of those. Do you guys remember the thermal paper ones they used to have in the uh, in the 80s? Very like Spectrum yep. and, for, and and had one and I mean God, but my first the first ever PC I saw, which was a ZX eighty one, had this this silver thermal paper and it printed into that. It reminds me a little bit of that, uh, but it's still mad that it's in a car. You know, just just yeah. oh, do you think? I mean, considering we were saying last, last one of the early episodes, we were talking about um, rentals and whether or not. You know, and I'm just like, is that something they offered in LA to to business people? I guess if you're in the business, I guess that's something you'd want. Yeah, I almost feel like at that level of service, you you've got a chauffeur driven car. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. just bizarre, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> so, and how much it would have cost? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but then again, you know, is is that his? Well, I, th- I think that's his own car as well, isn't it? Really. I don't know. Right. I'm not sure. Right. I think it is. But it's hard to tell. I can't imagine any hitman driving their own car away from a hit. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. That's a very good point. Number I feel three. like Hitman School 101 <laughs> includes don't drive your own vehicle away from the hit. But you also got to wear a completely black suit and a black shirt with a black tie and just look cool as in, in LA heat, yeah, because otherwise <laughs> you might be conspicuous. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, might look weird in LA. I mean, but that's the weird. That part of what's weird about the film is it looks relatively timeless in that sense, though. Like the only problem with his suit is it's too baggy because it's eighties into nineties fashion. But Acroy's character, because of his casual, you know, like slightly working class esque dress sense, is yeah, you know, people dress like that now. You know, it's not, not a big deal. So it's kind of that weird thing of these things that actually kind of don't go away. It's Yeah, that's an interesting point. Placing this film, it is, with, I think, two, maybe three exceptions, mm. very, very hard to place where it is in time. I think mm. the cell phone is a bit of a giveaway. Mm. Um, I think the music is the big one, right? Like, mm. it's yeah. it's, the music is very definitely of the 80s when it's you know being played from the radios all hits all vinyl weekend Mm -hmm. and it's very much of the 90s when you're anywhere else like the hippo club scene Mm. um and in the hotel rooms but other than those things it it really there's not a whole lot going on in in this film that places it in the 90s versus the Mm. 80s or the Mm. noughties or even really the the you know 2010s 2020s yeah yeah i mean it's one of those films that you don't ever want to suggest to anyone they should remake but you can see how it would actually work because people still have reunions and people still leave to go off from school to the army and every every element of this works except for the fact that it's the except for the music yeah and i don't think you could make this film work it in a modern remake because of the music. 
I don't think you have that angry punk kind of uh, fiercely independence in in music style right. in the noughties or the tens. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Although you see that I think you need. Although when you look at nineties uh, music nostalgia at the moment, which is obviously very current and very big, and you just kind of think, oh god, maybe <laughs> someone would think that. Um, speaking of which, by the way, I have just managed to find an NBC uh, news report from Nightly News from nineteen ninety five talking about advanced auto technology, and it includes the facts in the car. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't but how long will it take color? To, how long will it take for the facts to come through? Well, the, looking at well, mean? the version they, the one they show you in the, in the news report, it just literally just slides out, but it doesn't tell you when it was, um, when it was sent through. But yeah, isn't that crazy, man? Nineteen ninety-five. Wow. I can't believe. I can't get my head around it. Like, trying, what did I have in nineteen ninety-five tech-wise? I was at I was at I was at doing my PGC at Hull University. So I like, yeah, I had an Amstrad for left over from the early 90s for word processing but not you know no mobile phones yet oh um oh yeah i guess so yeah or very early early days yeah i mean i certainly didn't have, i mean, certainly couldn't afford one but no, definitely. but like you say bill how long would it take for the damn facts to come through it's like it's crazy exactly yeah. you're sitting there it'll be like oh look at this high-tech thing and yeah. all you're hearing is the, the telephone dial static have you seen that meme that goes around where it's just like in my day you get you know the internet used to scream down the phone yes grandma that's okay we're getting used to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though i can't i can't explain that to the kids i teach that there's the once upon a time you had this yeah! sound and they're like what yeah. or the office will only have one computer that's actually got the internet on it yes yes yeah. oh my yeah. god yes like oh dear they just don't i mean it's why the save icon looks like a save icon right <laughs> it's it's just a save icon like i don't know what that thing is that's just the save icon well, who, who was it who said um who brought who brought out a floppy disk from their storage and their daughter went oh look you 3d printed the save icon <laughs> <laughs> that's a great meme <laughs> the thing is i can believe it right <laughs> i can absolutely believe so you're going oh look because they really don't know what these symbols are they really don't it's 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 it's, it's half of the fun of teaching these days is me trying to con connect with them at least enough to be able to say yeah, this is how this works oh okay right. you know so um yeah but back to the film for a minute we're talking <laughs> for the minute in question um uh yeah uh, so obviously i made a mistake yesterday and we've corrected that now and we're talking about we're looking at uh the whole business with grocer and then as we Remind me, Dev, is this the point? Does Do we get Marcella on the phone just before the minute ends, or is it just after the minute ends? We do get her on the phone. She does the whole welcome back uh, to the old oak That's tree. She's bit. reading the, the thing and again. We get through the um, the Greenpeace. Right. Proposal. Now, the Greenpeace gang. And, yes. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about that, either of you guys? or I, I, I find it interesting because I think narratively it's very much a we're not entirely sure that he's a sympathetic character yet so we're just mm. going to throw this in there to try and help audiences buy that he's actually not entirely a bad guy 
Uh, it's typical. It's so typically American, though, isn't it? I'm happy to kill whoever you pay me to kill, but I draw the line <laughs> about doing what the French do. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's maybe that's a piece of history to speak to, Hugh, because I know you're much more familiar with that. Well, I that mean, for people history. who don't know, uh, I mean, Greenpeace is obviously still around. They're a major uh um environmental protection group um and but famously in the 90s they were using their they, they'd only just at that point had ships for a while and were starting to use these ships uh, at sea to block um very or to make protests you know and you could you could use the ship you know you could you could you could place the ship in, in in the way of things and so forth and so on. So um, in, 19, uh, in, in 1985, originally, was the first time that the French government used their own secret service to uh, sink the flagship of Greenpeace, the Rainbow Warrior, when it was located. It was docked in New Zealand at the time. They were busy promoting... Uh, they were there to point out the fact that the French were looking to do nuclear testing on a nearby atoll, and so they were there to protest it. And then uh, French secret service agents attached two bombs to the side of the ship below the waterline, and then the first one blew a large hole in the hull, and then after the first evacuation, some of the crew returned to investigate and film the damage. Um, and then one of the photographers whose job it was to, I mean, that was his job as a, he was an onboard photographer, returned below deck to grab his camera equipment and then the second bomb went off. It sank four minutes later and he drowned. He was 35 at the time. So the French government denied any involvement whatsoever, um, but eventually various bits of proper journalism, like, you know, the way journalism used to be, <laughs> brought enough information to light that they had to uh, admit to what they had done um, and this was a massive, this both helps Greenpeace, but also um, put France in the dock in the International Tribunal. And in 87, they had to pay $8.1 million in damages to Greenpeace. Uh, only to it, the two agents who did the bomb, who attacked the bomb, stood trial. None of their officers, none of their commanders, nobody who ordered it, not, not even the PM. So that's the reference. That's the reference. Hey, there's a job. The French want yes. you to blow up a Greenpeace boat. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, and I think scrupulous. yeah, <laughs> there was there was a lot of this period where a lot of governments, not just the French, but notably also the Japanese and to an extent the Americans, were very much trying to frame Greenpeace not just as eco warriors or activists, but very much as terrorists. Yeah. And I think they, you know, that was a sales pitch that much of the world that was inconvenienced by Greenpeace action was trying to promote. Yeah, very uh, much so. As... Very much so. I mean, you know, A and C were considered and Mandela were terrorists. You know, everybody was a terrorist, back yeah. then, frankly. Um, yeah. You know, and it's in, it's just interesting that you could argue the the the. I mean, it's not like other countries haven't done it, but the idea that you could bomb a ship that is there for peaceful protest in someone else's sovereign waters as well. I mean, I think that's the other part of the problem is the New Zealanders going, what the, what, you know, how dare you? And, and New Zealand is probably one of the most sympathetic countries at the time yeah. to Greenpeace's cause. And that, yeah. that led to a lot of the driving force behind this, because if it had been, you know, in a British dock or an American dock, then mm. I don't think there would have been any, anyone actually at the UN driving this kind of outrage yeah quite possibly quite possibly but it does speak interestingly to the american sense of what they like their heroes to be like 
You know, we've just seen this man kill people very effectively. And it's like, nah, draw the line at that, you know. No, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, so, yeah, pay me to kill anybody, but you know what? These people are probably doing some good. I'll probably leave them yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, he establishes that later as well, doesn't yeah. he? Um, he goes on about how, like, oh, you should look at the files at some of these guys. These are really bad guys. So he yeah. does have that kind of moral parameter there that he's a hitman, but he likes to go for, quote-unquote, the bad guys. Yeah. Um, we never find out who these bad guys are, but, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but that is always the thing, isn't it, with American films is, you know, they take the idea, their notion, the notion of an anti-hero is not properly an anti-hero because the hero, yeah. anti-hero is always justifying to themselves why and to the audience why they're doing things. You know, there are yeah. definitely films from elsewhere in the world where that, they just don't care. Um, I'm thinking of uh, immediate, my immediate... Thinking thought is uh, Doberman with um, uh, Vincent Cassel and Monica Bellucci, where the guys doing the heists are just proper. They just don't care. Oh look, someone got in the way. Boom, bang. Let's go on. Yeah. Um, there's a great scene in that film where uh, the two cops, as well, because they're playing cops, are getting their lunch from a takeaway stand, and something happens to a. Is it a baby, I think? And this bit they're screaming, and the mother's like, help me, somebody, I need some help. And the parents were just standing there with their baguettes going, because they don't want to get involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's an anti-hero. That's pro- that, you, you just, yeah, that, you don't get that in America quite as so much. But Armitage's films have come as close. I mean, Miami Blues is the other one he did, and that's got a famous sequence involving um, uh, somebody roughing up a, a, a Joe, not a Joe's one, it's roughing up a, a, a Hare Krishna. Um, which was became made, which became instantly legendary as a scene because again, you just don't see that American film. So. Mm. Uh, this was minute seven of the Gross Plant Blank podcast, Debbie Radio seventy nine point five FM, featuring your hosts, co writers, and co producers, Dev Sullivan and Hugh David. Today's guest was Billy Holku, self professed generic nerd. You can find them on Instagram at Dim Sum Discussions for some gorgeous food pics. And us at All Good Podcast Players. Also on YouTube, Twitterx, and Spotify at Debbie Radio. On our website, DebbieRadio.com. And for all of those, it's Debbie spelt D-E-B-I Radio. D-E-B-I Radio. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't.